Lucas on Life. Welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas, and the last few days have all been about hope. We've been hopeful about Wimbledon, but then Mr. Murray crashed out, and with much hope centering around the amazing 18-year-old Emma Raducanu, we were disappointed and sad for her when she had to withdraw due to some breathing difficulties. But, of course, our hopes are high for what will surely be an incredible future for this brilliant young lady. We've been hopeful about the football, with Euro drama high on the agenda and people throwing a lot of beer in the air, which seems like a rather strange pastime to me, especially when you consider the price of beer. And then, of course, turning from sport to more serious matters, we are all hopeful that with government COVID restrictions lifting in the next few weeks and social distancing and mask wearing no longer a legal requirement, that we will finally break the back of this cursed pandemic. Hope. Without it, life is dark. Emily Dickinson said, Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And hope, it's a word that we Christians use a lot. We talk about the hope that we have in Christ. Jeremiah 29, 11, those well-known words, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. But let's be clear, when we talk about hope, we're not crossing our fingers with a vague, fragile expectation that something good might happen in the future. It's nothing like what we express when we say that we're hopeful for some sunshine, hopeful for a good result, hoping that everything's going to turn out all right. You see, our hope in Christ is absolutely certain and sure, rooted in the solid rock reality of Christ's victory over the power of death. And so tonight, I'd like to introduce you to some people who have found hope in the most challenging situations. One of them is actually named Hope, appropriate for that 11-year-old. And then there's Paul and Margaret. As we meet the three of them tonight, I'm praying and, yes, hoping that our faith will be strengthened as here on Lucas on Life, we think about Christian hope. The aging car was a rust bucket, apparently held together by fading bumper stickers. My boss is a Jewish carpenter, announced one. I pondered the thought that the saviour from Nazareth was currently at the right hand of the father, busily churning out coffee tables at knockdown prices. An even older sticker encouraged fellow motorists to honk if you love Jesus, while another gently warned would-be honkers to be patient God isn't finished with me yet. Still another sticker declared, in the event of the rapture, this car will be without a driver. Helpful advice this for those who believe in that particular interpretation of scripture. Those left behind after the second coming may be scratching their heads trying to work out why millions of people have suddenly disappeared from the planet, but at least they won't be left wondering why that car was driverless. Hmm... A familiar stirring of irritation surfaced somewhere inside my head, wrinkling my brow and nudging me to mutter a superior comment about pie-in-the-sky space cadet Christians as I urged my own stickerless car past the slogan-bound Rustmobile. It was the same frustration that had sparked a few days earlier when I drove by a church building in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If the southern states of America are the Bible Belt, then Tulsa is the belt buckle. 
thousands of churches litter the streets of the sweltering city, and most of them have huge billboards outside. One had particularly frustrated me. The city had been through a heat wave, and a large number of people had died of heat exhaustion. This church put up a sign saying, if you think it's hot here, then just wait. So much for good news, I murmured with measured superiority, and then treated my fellow family members to yet another sermonette denouncing Christians who are so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly use. I had quietly chuckled when I saw an eminently non-Christian sticker with the words, Jesus is coming, look busy. I admit it. I get weary of Christians who seem to think that the next exciting event in God's diary is heaven. But then I went to Redding, California, and I met Paul and Margaret, a couple who have hope and heaven in their hearts. Their car, like mine, is stickerless. We were riding together in this cliche-free vehicle when I asked an innocent question, more for the sake of polite conversation, really. How many children do you have? Margaret hesitated, as if she were not sure of the number of their own offspring. There was a lengthy silence, and I was tempted to make a so-called witty comment about moving on to an easier question. But something told me to be quiet. Something was right. Well, Jeff, Margaret said, we have three children, but one of them is with Jesus. Our eldest daughter was murdered by her boyfriend when she was 19. He beat her up, threw her from his truck, and then ran over her. So, yes... We have three children, two on earth and one who is with Christ. I stammered and searched frantically for words that could form a response to such an awful tragedy. But Paul and Margaret neither needed nor demanded my little contribution. In the next hour or two, they allowed me to peer into the cavern of their pain. Paul sat clutching a coffee cup in one hand, a photograph of his beautiful firstborn girl in the other. They told me that you never, ever recover from such a trauma. They told me that you slowly learn to smile again. But most of all, with their laughter and their tears and their sparkling, hope-filled eyes, they made me realise that part of them was already living in the not yet of forever. They'd been to hell and back and had tasted heaven in the journey. They were not ethereal, spacey or cliched but they were living as citizens of a kingdom that will never end. Hope filling their hearts, they were looking forward to the reunion party. Little things don't bother them anymore. As church leaders, they aren't too concerned about bowing down to religious culture. Margaret, a minister's wife, had a nose ring just because she wanted to, and she was planning to get herself a tattoo as well. I just love to stir up those religious devils, she smiled. Not the smug grin of arrogance, but the settled joy and hope of one who has looked death itself in the face and found out that there's someone bigger who quit carpentry to become a king. After I left them, I felt that in some way I'd been ushered into an audience with greatness, and I was deeply challenged. Has my Christianity become so focused in the here and now that I have lost sight of the wonderful forever that lies just beyond time's horizon? The old southern slaves had looked for a sweet chariot to swing low, coming for to carry them home. They had nothing in the now and everything in the not yet. They were temporary paupers groaning for their inheritance. They were going from here to eternity. They had hope. Paul and Margaret don't have stickers. 
they have deep bloody wounds but one day they will dance again without a limp arm in arm with their daughter spinning and jumping with the Jesus who stands above death and hell so perhaps we've heard it a thousand times but let's stop once again and consider this as Christians we're going to be with Christ always forever that's true hope no wonder they call it good news it was absolutely the most wonderful Christian gathering of my entire life. Now, that's a big statement to make because I've sat through quite a few meetings and services. I've attended agonizing small groups where the guitarist only knew three chords, never succeeded in matching them with any known melody, and led six of us in a time of tuneless, dreadful screaming. I've been to large gatherings where virtuoso musicians, dazzling actors and graceful dancers have moved me with their art. I've heard stunning preaching, average preaching and some sermons that have tempted me towards Buddhism. I've agonized through numbing three hour long services where angels probably gnashed their teeth as we sang the same ditty for the 45th time. I've inwardly winced as the worship leader gleefully announced that heaven is going to be just like this, only so much longer. Others greeted his announcement with claps and cheers. I fantasized about assassinating him, enabling him to enjoy the delights of heaven more immediately. Of course, I'm joking. But when it comes to Christian gatherings, I've been to more than my fair share. But this one particular Christian gathering was, without doubt, simply the best. There were only 15 or so people there, yet the worship was breathtaking, the preaching nothing short of epic, and the prayers were electrifying. Jesus was there, surely smiling. And so, as it happened, was Santa Claus, splendid in a rich red coat lined with snow-white fur. It was an emotional evening. Laughter and tears mingled. I even spotted Santa quietly sobbing. The event was Hope's baptism. Hope is 11 and she's suffering from leukemia. The prognosis was very bleak. Save a miracle, there would just be a few days left. Hope and her family knew everything about pain. Some years ago, Hope's dad died from colon cancer at an impossibly young 38. And now Hope's mum, Diane, is married to lovely Justin, all smiles and care and support. Hope is already a veteran fighter. She survived an earlier battle with bone cancer, only to discover that she had leukemia. And so on that night, we gathered parents, grandparents, siblings and friends to enable Hope to declare her hope and her faith through baptism. She was bright and bubbly that night and looked completely healthy. Her smile was like daybreak, a dawning sun that sends shadows packing. The sermon lasted three minutes, perhaps more should. Diane, her lovely daughter, smiling up at her, told us that Hope believes in miracles, that she's not afraid of death. Hope nodded and peace and joy seemed entwined in her. Diane told us that life is but a mist, the Bible says, and that soon we'll all be together. This was no scald bravado, no rehearsed rigid religiosity, just hope and faith that bubbled over like clear cold water on a Sahara day. As Diane baptized her daughter, it was surely a priceless act of worship that shook and stirred the heavens. Then came the prayers. First, Hope's brothers and sisters, 
prayed out loud, their clear voices thanking God for the gift of her. Please, Jesus, let her stay longer. And then Hope prayed. No child spiritual prodigy this, just a little girl with faith. Thank you for my family and friends, she said. You are an awesome God. I just want your will for me. I love you, Jesus. Amen. I determined to hold it together emotionally, but I quietly failed, my shoulders shaking. It was just a stunning occasion, so utterly laced with hope. Finally came the goodbyes and the gargantuan grace that is usually only found among those who have suffered much. The family thanked us for coming, kindness spilling over from their broken hearts, perhaps unaware of the sign and the wonder that they'd just shared with us. It was then that Santa cried. Isabel, Hope's little sister, was all dressed up for Christmas in her gorgeous red Santa dress, fur-lined. Her smile is broad too, with the chaotic teeth that makes a seven-year-old so delightful. Now, as she hugged her mother tight, tears brimmed over her eyes. As we stepped out into the crisp Colorado chill, I remembered that Christianity really is about our hope in Christ forever. Our message is that whatever hellish bullets life throws at us, there is a God, one who is tough at times to understand, but utterly reliable to trust nevertheless. Death, hell, pain, tears. In the end, he's beaten the lot, and we should remember that daily if hope is to be fueled in us. Someone has said, I mentioned it earlier, that we can be too heavenly minded to be of any earthly use. They were quite wrong. There's never been a human being in history who was too heavenly minded. So thank you, Hope. At just 11, you've fully lived up to your name, beautiful little lady. That night, with you, we shared faith, worship, joy, grace, hope. Perhaps heaven is going to be just like this, only so much longer. So, as we've been thinking about hope tonight, Paul and Hope and Margaret show us that hope can be ours even as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And let's face it, the last 18 months have been a valley and the shadow has been covid some have asked, where is God in all of this? But as I've opened the pages of scripture, I've come to realize that much of the Bible was written by people in lockdown, for people in lockdown, whether it's Israel in Egypt, Joseph in prison, Daniel in exile, Paul and Silas singing their songs at midnight, the apostle John on the prison island of Patmos, it's all lockdown material. The message is not, don't worry, be happy. Our message of hope is, don't be anxious, Christ is with you and always will be in life, in pain, in joy, in death. And so this week, whatever we battle, and the battle is real, may we know the peace and the hope of Jesus. Or as the Apostle Paul put it in Romans chapter 15, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen to that. See you next week. Lucas on Life.